right. Welcome to the inaugural episode or first ever episode of the 12 Ounces of Sobriety podcast. My name is Pat Sharp with my co-host. Carson Waddell. Robbie Kronvich. Welcome. We are all three alcoholics and we're all three actually pretty early in sobriety too. And we all three actually met each other in a uh, outpatient rehab program. So with that, we thought we would... uh, talk about early sobriety a little bit and get some perspective and, and kind of what we've been through in our journeys. I know um, I am currently, uh, today's actually my 90th day sober, which is awesome. Carson, where are you at? Well, congratulations. I did not realize that, but 90 Thank days. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I am currently on day 58, so a little bit behind you, but we are working on it coming up on the uh, to, on two months. So it's exciting. Yeah, I plan on going to pick up my 90-day chip at a meeting later on this evening when yep. we're done here. Robbie, where are you? You're you're ahead of me. I know that. Yeah, I'm looking through my, my apps, my little sober, sober app. You know what's kind of cool? I had uh, – because I have like two different sober apps, and I woke up this morning, and they're like, congratulations, day 90, which, hey, I'll take it because, you know, it's a transition – And we'll get into this a little bit here later, but, you know, I've gotten sober a couple of times now. Um, So this is my second time getting to the 90-day mark. And so hopefully it will be my last time and we'll have to repeat it ever again. Absolutely not. You got a strong FICO score there, uh, Robbie? No, it's ads. I should have bought premium. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out what how many days sober you are. Let's see. I know it's like it's four months and four days. Okay, so quick math word about. So it's gonna be like one twenty eight. Yeah, one twenty eight. We'll call it that. Let's see. It says milestones. I'm gonna find this. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess while you're doing that, we can kind of get into a little bit of you know what our goal is. One hundred twenty five days. One hundred twenty five days. So one of the things I was talking to these guys about, and we've discussed, is I know. I've listened to some other sobriety podcasts out there, and there's not a whole lot that, you know, a lot of the people that host them have, you know, 5, 10, 20 years of sobriety, which we don't have. And so hopefully we can kind of give the perspective of kind of what it's like in early sobriety. And even though we're all alcoholics, I think, you know, people that struggle with uh, other substance abuse, drugs, and things like that are going to be all real late as well. Because I think that's kind of something we've all learned is there's a correlation between alcoholism, drug addicts when it comes to recovery. Um, I know, Robbie, you probably have ex- seen that a good yeah. bit. Well, I like drugs, too, so <laughs> I've had my, my fair share of drugs. Uh, but, yeah, you know, working at a rehab, it's really, you know, there's really not that big of a difference between an alcoholic and an addict, particularly what it takes to uh, – at least get into sobriety. And from what I've seen, people with long-term sobriety, it's pretty similar among the two. Yeah. I think, I mean, to go back to what you just said, Pat, and comparing the uh, the nuances between, you know, struggling with alcohol versus struggling with other substances, there's one common goal and it's to get clean. And so being able to kind of walk through our journeys and others is going to be very beneficial for uh, folks listening because, you know, we're all on a different path, but we're all working towards the same thing. And the biggest step, and this sounds cliche, but it's the truth. The biggest step is just starting, just getting to the point where you can say, you know what? I've had enough of this and I really want to lead a better life and whatever that looks like, but it's going to start with getting clean. And so 
you know, whether it be alcohol, whether it be some type of drug or any other addiction, you know, there are a lot of things that, that fall under that category that can, um, that can really, you know, mess your life up, quite frankly. And, uh, and we want to be able to address that and, and help really anybody, uh, who's struggling out there. Yeah. And you had mentioned, like, once you get to that point, when you realize, like, I got to change my life up a little bit, this, uh, this isn't good. Where, what was your kind of wake up call as far as maybe it's, I shouldn't say that because I know there's a bunch of kind of stuff that happened to me where I was like, all right, I, I have to quit drinking. Yeah. I can't live like this. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple, there were a couple things that obviously occurred leading up to April, which is when I did make the decision to, cut this out of my life. But, you know, partly it was, it was a kind of a slow burn to be honest with you, uh, day in and day out. I, I didn't want to get out of bed and every day I laid my head down to go to sleep. I was angry with myself. I was sick and tired of the way that I was living. I was guilty and yet I didn't stop. But the thing I think that, you know, pushed me over the edge was, was my wife. Um, she had been kind of, uh, not nitpicking me, but she was really, you know, concerned about me and my well-being. Um, and that was, you know, increasingly so as I was starting to change as a person. And eventually I had had enough, she had had enough, and I'll certainly get into details at a later time. But uh, one morning we, you know, had a discussion in the kitchen and she said, I didn't know it was this bad. I said, yes, it is. And she said, it's time to get help. And I said, yes, it is. And, uh, and that's what we did. So that is the very short version. But um, but my wife is the in, the in the best of ways is the reason why I finally made the decision to um, to pursue a, a much happier life of of sobriety. Awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. We could probably all sit here and talk for about five hours on on why we decided to get sober. Um, it, it, very similar to me, like waking up in the morning. I got to the point where waking up in the morning, it just got tougher and tougher and tougher. Um, the anxiety got worse and worse to where I just couldn't go anytime. I just had to drink all the time so I'd feel normal. And you can't live life like that. And then, you know, I got sober August 1st for the first time, went 54 days, then figured – I'll be fine. I went out, had a couple of beers and, and it spiraled downhill very quickly to where within a couple of days I was back waking up, needing to drink right away, you know, daily drinking like that and got sober again for, I don't know, 120 days, did kind of the same thing. And then this last time got sober on uh, March 10th when I entered a detox and rehab and met you fine fellas. And it kind of, you know, I have a better perspective on it now, I think. You know, Robbie, I know you have struggled too the same way I have with relapsing a few times. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so my uh, recovery journey started when I was 23. I'm 28 now. Um, I actually say 23. I guess it started before that, but my first time in any sort of treatment was when I was 23. I, I'm a low-bottom type drinker. You know, the first time that, uh, I mean, the first time I ever drank, I blacked out, and that just became a regular occurrence all through all through high school. Um, you know, I got a DWI my senior year, uh, got into a whole bunch of different fights. I would wake up, not remember what I did the night before, feel like an asshole, you know, I think my first day of uh, going into college was actually before the semester started. And um, I was over in the quad and, you know, I was blackout drunk. I headbutted someone and knocked myself out. And that and that is just sort of, that set the tone for, for my drinking career, really. Um, I was never 
like slowly got to a point where like, oh, now it's hard to wake up in the morning. I was never able to wake up the next morning, like and do stuff. I was always non-functional. Um, you know, towards the end there, uh, I would say like when the first jump into recovery, when I was about 23, um, I told myself, I was like, if I miss another day of work due to a hangover, then I'll check myself into treatment. And I, and I did that. And, uh, that, you know, I think I stayed sober for about three months that time, um, relapsed. And then I was in and out of treatment, uh, really until, you know, I was 28, you know, or 27 rather just turned 28. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of my story. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and, and whether you're, sober now, early in sobriety, or you've been in sobriety for a while, you're thinking about trying to get sober. You know, I've relapsed, Robbie's relapsed. That's part of the journey sometimes. I This will be a topic I'm sure we'll do on a show down the road a little bit more. But, you know, the important thing is, is when you do relapse is to understand that, you know, you made a mistake and that's all right. And as quickly as you can kind of get back on that horse and, you know, find a treatment center, find help, you know, things like that. And I know in our next uh, episode, we'll talk about detoxing a little bit and coming off of alcohol and, and kind of doing it safely. But, you know, I guess just try not to beat yourself up too much when you do slip up because it isn't the end of the world. Um, you know, I've done it and I'm I'm not happy I did. And I'm not saying that. Uh but it is kind of part of it. And luckily I was able to kind of get right back on the horse because neither of my relapses lasted very long. There's that. Yeah. My experience with, uh, with three laps, if I just started drilling myself and feeling bad for myself, uh, you know, it will eventually just use again, you know, I'll keep using until I, I literally get to a point where I have to separate myself physically from the alcohol, in my case, I could go to treatment or something bad enough happens to where I have that desperation to where like, it's like, okay, I can at least stay sober for this amount of time, you know? And, and I will say, you know, after, after the first week, it's what I'm doing to stay sober rather than, than, uh, you know, the side effects of like how bad I feel, you know, it's, uh, creating new, I guess, new behaviors really. Yeah. And, and to your point, you mentioned something bad happening. One thing that all three of us have, have learned and heard numerous times, which quite frankly really helped me, uh, when I started, um, a few, you know, a couple months ago now is don't wait until that quote unquote, something bad happens. You know, a lot of people think that they need to hit rock bottom, uh, in order to pursue, you know, a life of sobriety. And that's just not the case. Um, you'll be much happier if you do not wait um, until that point, you know, all three of us, we've experienced a lot of turmoil due to uh, our alcohol issues. But um, I think it's safe to say that none of us, you know, did anything life ruining, so to speak, in order to put us where we are. We really just were very discontent and, um, and wanted to, you know, wanted to pursue something better. So uh, they, they kind of ingrained that, into us. And I'm really happy that they did. So, you know, for those that are listening that, you know, maybe are considering, you know, cutting your drug of choice, your DOC, you know, just think about that and think about kind of where you are in your life, whatever that looks like, your occupation, your family, your friends, your health, and think, you know, do I want to wait until one of these 
is gone from my life or severely damaged in order to make a change. Um, so I think that that's one thing just to keep in mind and, and it's worth, you know, kind of discussing in further detail is that. So just wanted to kind of highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of one of the things I, right before you said, I was kind of thinking of is, is I consider myself very lucky. You know, I've never been arrested. I've never killed anybody and I've never seriously hurt myself. And, you know, I didn't do any serious damage to my liver or any of my, you know, insides. I mean, and I feel very lucky. I mean, the amount of times I drove around while drinking was just ridiculous. And the fact that I never got a DUI, that I never killed anybody or seriously hurt anybody or myself, even that, it, I feel very fortunate. And I know if I go back out and start drinking again, one of those is going to happen, if not all of them. And so that's kind of a reminder to myself, too, to stay sober is, you know, I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to kill somebody or hurt somebody. And I know that will happen if I get back out there. And I do consider myself lucky because all three of us, you know, and whether it's a 12-step group or in your IOPs or outpatient groups or wherever you are, you hear the stories of people that are there because they – uh, physically hurt somebody or the courts are making them be there uh, and not saying that their situ their uh, sobriety is any less important or any different um, because we're all going through it but I'd much rather it be there on my own free will than the court told me to or the judge told me to you know so hopefully if you're somebody's listening to this they they you know, think about that. If they're in that situation too, where they've never, they've never been arrested, they never hurt anybody. I mean, it's such a slippery slope. You don't know when it's going to happen. So, you know, consider yourself lucky and get clean. And you don't have something like that happen to you that could, you know, really fuck up your life, basically. Yeah, and that's the ultimate goal, I think, for us here is to one tell our stories, but two, just to bring up, you know, topics that are applicable to, um, you know, folks at home that that do struggle with this. And a lot of people do. There are a lot of people out there, whether they are open about it or not, struggle with some type of addiction, uh, whether mild or extreme and all in between. Did not mean to rhyme, but it's the truth. Hey, I kind of like the rhyme style. <laughs> well, we can go with that, but it, it's the truth. And, and so, you know, with that said, especially with all of the stuff that we've been going through, you know, our favorite word, coronavirus, um, you know, the stay at home policy really, really, you know, it took a toll on people. A lot of people turned to drinking, uh, alcohol sales were up tremendously over the past few years. They skyrocketed. It's not a shocker, um, but it's the truth. And, um, that is just one example of, you know, the effects that world events and, and, and our daily lives have on us. And, and people oftentimes turn to something that is addictive, something that is not good for them uh, because they feel like they don't have a choice. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, you oh, were going to talk, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, was I jumped in there. To, uh, <laughs> to what Pat was saying about, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice. Like it is nice to be in recovery, I say on your own accord, but like with the court pushing you um, or really the people around you. But the truth is, at least for me, you know, if everybody was okay with my drinking, I'd I'd probably still be drunk, you know, and and also to say just that there's so many different people that I've seen in treatment, um, and it's always hard to determine who who it is that's going to stay sober. Like you never know. Like some of the people that you'd expect to totally just go straight back to using, you know, some of them have years now. Uh, then you know, I was a the the A star. I was the A plus student. 
in treatment and you know i i relapsed every time thus far you know so hopefully i'm on my last one um i still think you're an a plus student there big guy oh thank you you know going back to what carson said too about you know covid i know my drinking definitely picked up during covid just because one i had switched jobs due to covid and I was getting out of work at, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon and there's nothing to do. So I just would drink heavily every day and just got on a routine where I would go to work, drink, pass out, get up, go to work, drink. Like I had no substance to my life, you know, being divorced without kids, nothing kind of going on. I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just drink. I'll just drink. And eventually I'll catch up to you. And it, it caught up to me for sure. And to where you get to the point where life becomes just so fucking miserable. You don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah. Coronavirus was a very, very big reason to drink. But if I were to list a quote unquote reason to drink, there wouldn't be enough pen and paper in the world because it goes on forever. There's always a reason. You can find a reason if hell, you want to. Hell, I used to just. Oh, I got to go to the grocery store. I got to have a few beers first and then, you know, take a to-go cup in the car, just go to the grocery store, do anything. I literally didn't do anything without having alcohol with me other than work. And it got to the point towards the end where then I wouldn't even do that without alcohol. And so you're right. Yeah, making a list. And and I agree with that. I don't want to use COVID as a an excuse because no matter what, I was going to drink anyways. It was just my situation at the time. Um I just drank more. I get. I don't know. I think I was just going downhill anyways. It wouldn't have mattered, you know, with COVID or not. But it still added a little bit of stress. And I think you see that. I think alcoholism and drug addictions really becoming a, a major problem in this country. I'm not saying it wasn't before, but I, the coronavirus definitely didn't help in that arena. And I think you're seeing kind of more and more people – seeking for help. And luckily, I think our society in general is growing and accepting it more and realizing that there are a lot of people out there that need help with uh, with addiction and mental health. I think mental health kind of rolls into that as well, because I don't know an addict out there that doesn't have some mental health issues as well. That you know, A lot of it was caused by the um, substances or you're using a substance to cover up the mental health issues. And I think they kind of go hand in hand. I know I've had my own issues with mental health and, and hopefully anybody out there, um, you know, if you do have mental health issues, substance abuse, uh, don't feel ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed that I'm an alcoholic or I have mental health issues. I'll tell anybody that asks me. The important thing is you realize they can go get help for it. 75% of people with an addiction problem, never talk to anybody, never go to a meeting, never seek any type of help. That's a lot of people. So you know, on the the COVID the COVID uh, topic, that reminds me of this study. So and, and I think it's just the isolation that came with COVID just had so you know socialization is just so important for for addicts, but for people in general. There's a study with mice or rats, one of one of the rodents, and uh, they would get like I think it was cocaine if they were they'd press this little button or something like that, and they would get. You know, cocaine, or they get stimulated somewhere in their brain that's supposed to mimic, like, using cocaine or something along those lines. When the rat was alone, it would, like, keep doing it until it died. Whereas if there was, like, other rats there, and they had, like, little gym, a little, I say little gym, a little rat gym, you know? <laughs> the wheel. The, yeah, they had, like, the wheel, and, like, they had, like, a little community, so to speak. Um, the rats would actually, rather than constantly hit the cocaine thing, they would take part in the community 
in the, the other festi- rats in and the they festivities. wouldn't die, you know. The fontivities for yeah. the rats. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that study up, but it exists, I swear. It makes sense. It Hope. makes sense. Hopefully we don't get like sued for Robbie telling that story and us not, you know, using proper sources, but I think we'll be okay. I just referenced a percentage that I heard and I didn't reference it either. So Yeah. And we're gonna have obviously a lot of listeners, probably more than Joe Rogan. So yeah, you know, we need to definitely yeah, definitely. We need to cite. Yeah, by no means, everybody. None of us are professionals uh, in this. We're just talking about our experiences. Though Robbie does work in a uh, rehab facility, so, you know, I guess you could consider him a professional in some sort. Yeah, yeah, I drank uh, a lot of alcohol for a lot of years. (laughs) I did a lot of drugs, so I'd say that. He also has a lot of degrees, and he did it while he was drunk. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. All my degrees were... For Adderall and alcohol and cocaine. You still pass the test. You still have a degree. So I don't yeah. care what anybody says. I was never a drug person. I, you know, I, even smoking pot was never my, my thing. It always got in the way of my drinking, which is great. I just wanted to drink and drink and drink. And, you know, it just is what it is. But yeah. Yeah. So I think ultimately, you know, what we're trying to say is the goal of this podcast is just to help anybody, anybody that we can with any type of struggle. Uh, what we're going to do is come up with a series of uh, topics. We're going to have interviews lined up. We being in the community of um, and being a part of something that is greater than us, it, it involves being a part of a community with people that all have a very similar goal is uh, is wonderful. And so I know that a lot of people want to share their stories and we're going to have them on, you know, all like I said, all, all different walks of life, different ages, different races, all of the above, but dealing with the same struggle. And so uh, I'm very excited for all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And getting other people's perspective and, you know, I'm not going to say where we all met at because we're not going to give a free ad to the place that's charging me a decent bit of money and probably all of us and our insurance companies. 100%. But- Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll give us some coins here eventually yeah. to help. But there's been some just fantastic people there, therapists there that are great. I'm sure we can get some of the therapists on, other members um, of our groups, other alcoholics, drug addicts, you know, people from our support groups. I mean, I know a ton of people now in the substance abuse arena, and so excited about that. As Carson was saying, we have unlimited resource of different people, whether it's therapist or other alcoholics and drug addicts and, you know, both men and women and to get kind of everybody's perspective at different ages, people in their, you know, teens, 20s, up 60, 70 years old and kind of get everybody's experience on on how they deal with sobriety and getting sober and their journey through it all because we're hoping – that our stories and everybody's stories can can help, you know, even if we only help one or two people with their sobriety and get sober, then I I definitely think that's a success. We did our job. Yep. So with that, our next episode uh, that we release, we'll, we just wanted to do our first episode, introduce ourselves a little bit, kind of what the show is about. Next episode is going to be about the detox process, uh, kind of starting out right from the beginning of sobriety, kind of what to expect and what we went through with that. You'll follow us on social media on Twitter, one, the number one, sobriety. On Facebook, uh, 12 Ounce of Sobriety Group. Instagram, something or another, we'll eventually get that one out there. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us. The email is 12 ounces sobriety pod at gmail.com. That would be the number one, number two, O Z S O B R I E T Y 
pod at gmail.com. And with that, we'll wrap up our first ever episode. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time.